Hey guys, welcome back to the Pursuit of Property podcast. Today, Kate and I are talking about a really important topic regarding value proposition. Kate, how are you, man? I'm doing pretty good. How are you? We're recording a little bit early today. We've got our Growth Track Mastermind call here coming up at 9. So we're here a little early morning with our boys, uh, Jake and Ethan, behind the cameras. But I'm doing pretty good, man. How are you? Things are good, you know. I think waking up a little bit earlier, getting going, you and I are both coughing a little. And I know. <laughs> settling into our day voice. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm excited, though. You know, let's talk about that real quick. We had Corbin come on to the podcast, uh, and Corbin and Jason run Growth Track. And for anybody who's not in Growth Track, uh, it's pretty much a call that sets you up for learning about what high producers are doing, right? Yeah. This ep- or This month topic is going to actually be about uh, working in a changing market, which I think a lot of people are scared about. And you and I are very excited to go tune in. And so, you know, if you guys have not joined the group, it's on Facebook at Growth Track. Yeah. Quick, uh, basically like a little mini mastermind group, which is cool. We've got the Facebook group. We've got the monthly calls too. So um, go check them out. Highly recommend. So... I know today we're talking about value proposition, and this topic kind of arose because we were graciously asked by our brokerage, Keller Williams Fresno, to present on this topic um, a couple weeks ago to a group of new agents. So kind of a light bulb clicked for us, and we were like, this was an awesome topic to talk about. Why don't we just kind of translate it and talk about what we talked about just on the podcast? Yeah. Yeah. And let's discuss kind of more of the investor side of the business, since a lot of what we talked about was very realtor specific. Yeah. And we got a lot of listeners who aren't realtors, but who could definitely learn from hearing what both a realtor's value proposition might be and what an investor's is. And not only those separately, but also what our value proposition falls under if you're both a licensed agent and an investor, which you know, a, a, quite a few people we know are both licensed and investors. Mm-hmm. So how that value proposition changes from title to title. But yeah, I think we really want to focus on a little more the investment side value proposition. Yeah. So let's jump into it. When, when you're, Whenever you are working as a salesperson, the key is to always learn as much info as you can and then weave their story so that you demonstrate that you can see what they're dealing with. And then provide a solution that involves you, right? That's sales. So a value proposition is simply just putting your solution in a short amount of words and creating like, uh, I feel like I'm saying it really, really awkwardly, but it's essentially you're distilling all of the benefits of working with you into a short phrase or phrases that portray why somebody should work with you. Absolutely. And the emphasis being on it, it should not be a paragraph long. You shouldn't be sitting there on the phone or on the appointment rambling on and rambling on, right? It's got to be short, concise, but convey to the other person all of the value you're bringing as to why they should really be using you or your services or your product. Right. And it should be tailored and hyper-specific to each client. So you can have like a very broad value proposition, But then when you go in to close a deal, your value proposition at the end, your close should be tailored to answer the the questions or concerns that that seller has, right? Absolutely. And that's where it comes down to the importance of listening to the other party, right? So you've got 
on your first appointment or your first call with this seller, you've got your value proposition, right? For a lot of investors, it's kind of kind of a blanket value proposition, right? I'll kind of run through them. Cash, as is, pay all the closing costs, no realtor commissions, right? <clears throat> and a lot of these sellers we're talking to, they've heard that same spiel, right? Everybody they're talking to is gonna have pretty much those similar attributes. But really good point is to, your job is to sit there and listen, gather information, build rapport, so that your end value proposition, when you go in for the close, exactly like you said, specifically tailored to that seller, to that client, in order to get the deal done to where they feel comfortable, it's a win-win. Absolutely. Let's kind of run through it. I I know that we're going to talk more about uh, value proposition on this podcast, but when just talking about having the conversation that leads up to presenting your value proposition, um, there's a lot of due diligence that you need to do. One of the things that you and I presented a lot on was the how and what questions and essentially figuring out what's important to the other side. So whereas we know that a realtor's job might be to work as a fiduciary to sell a home on behalf of the client, with an investor, your whole purpose is to make the best offer you can to solve their problem, right? Now, the best offer you can very rarely is just the price. And for us, it's a lot of terms and specific solutions outside of that, right? And so we talked a lot about how and what questions. So let's kind of go through that. You know, they're, I think they're called reporter questions. Who, what, when, where, why? Yeah. And we were able to eliminate most of the beginning words, right? So who and where those are very much just like simple answer questions, right? Mm-hmm. They're close-ended. Essentially, you're asking for a small bit of data that comes back, you're done. Where are you moving next? Who is helping you make a decision on the sale of this property? Mm-hmm. Stuff like that. They're not bad questions. They're just going to get you very specific answers. And in our job, it's about getting as much information as possible so that we can tailor the solution correctly when we present, right? Mm-hmm. So who and where were kind of their, you know, second rate questions. Uh, And then why, why was a question that we brought up because it's kind of a nuanced word, right? And so when we were talking to everybody, why has come across and we talked about it and never split the difference when we did our book episode. Um, Why often gets people to start defending themselves. And so even if you ask it in like a very gentle way, why can sometimes you know, put somebody on their back, you know, their back foot. And that's not really good. You start putting up barriers instead of bringing them down. Yeah. Right. People on the other side immediately start to kind of throw up their defenses. And once they've done that, once you've kind of made that blunder, it's very hard to break those walls back down after you've kind of thrown somebody on the defensive like that. Right. Right. So you don't want to ask, you know, necessarily like, why are you selling your house? Because they might come back, and people probably have experienced this. They might come back and say, I'm not selling my house. You called me. Right? Exactly. Yeah. And that response is awkward because you're at your house. You know, you're only there because they were interested in selling. So you know that that's not really a true thing. It was a true statement, but their motivation is there. So then it leads you to like the last two, which is how and what. Okay, so what's kind of making you think about selling right now? Right? So it's a totally different question. Asks the exact same thing. But... It's an open-ended question, which is an important thing to talk about. But, you know, you're opening up the conversation to figuring out motivation, timing, because you asked now, right? A whole bunch of things. And so before we can even get to value proposition, 
you know, asking the right questions plays a big role. Yeah. And you mentioned open-ended questions, which was something we touched on in our presentation, the difference between open-ended and closed-ended questions. Closed-ended questions being the ones that, like we mentioned at the beginning, that gather a short response, typically a yes or no, or like a numerical value, right? Open-ended questions, on the other hand, the questions you as an investor, we as investors like to focus on, because phrasing it as an open-ended question not only allows the client or the seller to kind of put all of their cards and all of their feelings on the table, but it allows you to continue gathering information and building rapport in a way that would be really difficult with closed-ended questions. Right. You know, and closed-ended questions feel a lot more like an interrogation. Open-ended questions sound like a conversation, right? Yes. So these are all important things. So you're sitting there asking these questions. You're figuring out what's going on with the seller, right? Very rarely do you go and a seller just tells you everything right up front, right? You know, their goal is to try to tell you what they feel they need to tell you so that they get an offer. They're not trying to, you know, show all their cards. So you go out to the appointment and you're asking these questions. Well, you got there with a certain value proposition, but then, you know, he's going to bring up that other people have come by. He's going to bring up that he could go list the house. He's going to bring up this, that, and the other, right? So now you have to provide value. And this is where the value proposition comes in. It, what you're doing is, again, you're describing what benefits there come with working with you. You're tying it to your compensation. And then you're setting up a standard that they can hold you to, right? So that's kind of what the value proposition is. So let's go through a little bit of what, you know, ours is, right? So Kate and I are both real estate agents and real estate investors. So our value proposition is pretty simple. Kate and I are reputable and licensed real estate agents who can help provide you cash offers, take you to the market, or do anything in between. And we provide a fully consultative approach that allows you to pick whatever's best for you, right? It's a very, very hands-off. Like, hey, we're not going to pressure you to go down one route or another. We can help you do kind of anything within that gamut of listing it to direct buyer. Our job is just to figure out what's important to you. Is it price? Is it ease of sale? Is it timing? Is it repairs? What is it? And from there, we can ask a whole bunch of questions. And then we can give suggestions and options. And then we can let them make a decision. You made an important point, too, with it not... You mentioned kind of hands off, not pressured in any way. Our goal and our intention, we're never in there to pressure a seller or a potential seller into any one option. You mentioned we take the consultative approach, right? Uh, us as agents and investors, it's really important to lay all of the options on the table, explain each option to the seller. That way they understand what each option entails, but then it's up to the seller. What's most important to the seller? What are they going to feel is a, like a win for them, right? And being able to right. do that in a way, when you're open and honest about that up front, it, it doesn't hurt our feelings whether we're able to help a seller sell on the open market or buy as an investment, right? Our numbers might be different. The seller's numbers are going to be different with each option, but it doesn't hurt our feelings. Our, our goal and our intention is to give the seller all the possible intentions they have and have them pick the option that's best for them. And we were just having this conversation a couple days ago, uh, yesterday, actually. We were just having this conversation on the phone with somebody we knew with a house that they are not sure 
what might be the best option for him. And we hopped on a group call and we literally laid out exactly what you were talking about, right? We can absolutely help you. This is an out of area house, but absolutely help you put in touch with an agent there who might be able to get it listed for you and maximize your value on the market. Now two, we would absolutely be willing and we know we can perform on a cash offer that where we could buy it as is with no closing costs and no repairs and stuff like that and close fairly quicker than you would if you were to be able to go on the open market. And the first thing that person we were talking to said when we laid out all those options was that they appreciated it. Very, we could, You could visibly tell on the phone how appreciative they were because we were being open and honest and giving them all of the options we could help them with up front. Right. And we even brought up a third option, which would be helping put them in contact with the contractors needed to get the house cleaned out because it's a hoarder situation Mm -hmm. and then get the home listed on the market and maybe get them a little more that way. Now, the reason why we brought this whole topic up is because a lot of people will ask us, like, why does somebody sell you a house for so much less than what it could go for on the open market? And this is the key. It's understanding that you know, the real estate agent and the real estate investor have totally different value propositions. They bring totally different, you know, solutions to the table. And a lot of sellers in our current market don't need to maximize the absolute highest profit because our prices are already historically the highest they've ever been, or at least in our area, they're close to it, right? So let's talk about a little bit about what an investor brings to the table. So we kind of talked about it already. So if you're sitting here listening and you want to be a real estate investor, this is kind of the broad the broad stroke value proposition that you bring to a seller. And this is kind of important to know in order to be able to set an appointment, right? That would be that, you know, Mr. and Mrs. Seller, uh, I'm going to be able to come to the house. And by the end of our appointment, I'm going to make you an offer that's going to be as is. It's going to be no repairs. It's going to be no inspections. It's going to be cash, no appraisal quick close, you're not even going to have to so much as come back to the property, right? That's the value proposition. So instead of saying, hey, Mr. Seller, I'm going to make your life easy and pay cash, you listed off a couple things that actually come with your offer that are very easy for them to visualize and understand. Yeah. I'm going to read off of one of these door hangers that Scott and I both have their handwritten door hangers. I'm going to show them to the camera if you're watching. So you can see that the title, basically the the big text on this door hanger is sell this property fast, no repairs. And then our value proposition for these quick door hangers that you can throw up when you're driving for dollars or doing something like that is, for example, my name is Cade. I'm looking for a house to buy as is in this area, all cash. No repairs, no realtor commissions, and no closing costs. Call me at phone number, right? So when you're out driving for dollars and you're not a lot of times being able to have conversations with sellers in this respect, right? Being able to have a value proposition that's short and sweet and still conveys most of the things that you can provide is really important. Like you mentioned, if you just say, yeah, I I can buy the house cash, right? That great cash. Okay. What, what other value do you provide? That's why it's important. Like we were talking about to phrase it in a way and convey it in a way that's understandable and appreciated by the other side. 
Right. You know, not everybody knows what a real estate investor does. And I actually make the assumption that most people don't understand. I think a lot of people think a real estate investor is somebody who goes and tries to take advantage of bad situations. And that's not a, that's not at all it. You think if that's the case, there's a lot of people who wouldn't be able to sleep at night, right? So no, a real estate investor's job is very simple. Their job is to discover what problems the seller is dealing with and then tie together solutions and guide them through the experience of a quick sale, right? So that could be because of financial distress, you know, uh, that could be emotional distress, timing issues, code enforcement. There's a whole bunch of things. There's a bivy of options, right? But your job as an investor is to simply make the sale as easy as possible for the seller. So, you know, like we were saying, when an investor comes to the table, there's going to be a lot of people that have the cash as is, quick sale, no repairs, no commissions, no closing costs, right? So what does that leave you with? You have to get hyper-specific about what skills that you bring to the table that the seller needs, right? So say maybe the seller needs uh, to find the next place. Well, if you're a licensed agent, great, you can solve that problem. You can say, hey, I'll help you find your next house. Or if you're not a licensed agent, maybe you've developed really good relationships with agents, right? Or maybe you already know of another house that they can move into, right? Those are options for more specific tailored value proposition. And not only getting hyper-specific with the seller, because like we've said multiple times, the majority of investors, whatever market you're in, the, the general value proposition is going to be very similar. So it's not only getting hyper-specific with your next value proposition, right? When you're going for the close, but it's also in order to be able to make that hyper-specific value proposition, you've got to have been building rapport with your open-ended questions relating to the seller, right? That, that's the most important thing. If you've got three investors, this just happened the other day. I had saw it. Uh, Jason had posted a story on his Instagram. He was signing with the seller and the seller had told him, you were not my highest offer, but because of the way you made me feel comfortable with not only how this process is going to work, but also the, you know, the rapport you've built with me, how comfortable you've made me feel. I want to go with you. Yeah. Right. So it's especially important to going hand in hand with that value proposition is being able to build that rapport throughout your conversations to even be able to make that hyper specific, because if you're not open, asking open-ended questions. If you're not building rapport with the seller, you're going to be at the end of your appointment with the same value proposition you came in with, which was cash as is, no repairs, right? And yeah. the sellers the, the sellers have heard all this stuff before. You've got to set yourself apart by not only making a hyper-specific value proposition, but also building that rapport with the seller. Yeah. Well, let's kind of Let's talk about that a little bit. I think I can guess how Jason handled that conversation. It's probably the same way he taught us to handle it, right? So after you've asked all these questions, right, and you've developed an understanding of their situation, right, most of the time, this is a quick tip. If you're an investor or a new investor and you're trying to get started and you're going on appointments and it's not working, likely it's because you're talking too much about the house and you're not talking enough about the seller. If you want to close more deals, you need to understand the seller's situation, not just how many beds there are and how many bathrooms there are. You can solve the housing problem. You need to figure out how to solve the person problem that comes with it, right? 
that would be the biggest takeaway on that. But after you've asked all these questions to understand what's going on with the seller themselves, right? You know, where are you going next? What kind of things are, you know, encouraging you to sell right now? What problems do you foresee coming up in escrow? Things like that. You've developed an understanding of the story, right? And now we're going to take all of these pain points, right? You know, what's causing them to sell? What's drawing them to leave? Those kinds of things. And we're going to tie it back to the solution that we provide, which is a quick cash close that solves their problems quickly, you know? So I bet what Jason ended up doing was he said, hey, look, I like you. You're a really cool guy, Cade. You know what? I'm noticing that right now you need to get this house out so that you can, you know, move on with your life. It sounds like this house did a great job for you while you had it, but the last tenants that came through, you know, they did a number on it. And now it's time for you guys to, you know, get out of state. You're moving closer to the grandkids and you're looking to just be done. I've bought a ton of houses from people just like you. I buy portfolios from time to time and I also buy one-off properties. You know what? My whole goal is just to make this an easy process for you. Obviously, I'm going to pay cash make it as is. You don't even have to come back here and I'll handle everything with escrow and my team will take care of that for you. But at the end of the day, you need to get this done quickly. If you were interested, I already ran my numbers. 180,000 will get the deal done. I would be able to take it at that point and move forward with it. And you guys could get off to North Carolina. You know, what do you want to do? And then at that point, I bet he just said, sat still. The seller probably said something like, you know, either yes on the spot or give me a second, made a phone call, blah, 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 signed it. And then later when they realized like, wait, I had offers for 190 and 200, they only went with Jason because he was able to convey that he understood what was going on. He demonstrated competency and the ability to actually do what he said he's going to do. And he made them feel comfortable because he clearly was looking out and not just pushing them. Hey, you have to take this offer right now. Yeah. And that's proof proof in and of itself, right? That price is not always the most important thing. Price is definitely a big factor, right? If, you know, many of us would feel that if we had a house and we had multiple offers, ideally, if everyone's value proposition is pretty much the same, I'd want to take the one with, you know, the highest amount, right? But that's where it comes down to that hyper-specific value proposition, phrasing it and conveying to the seller in a way that you just did in that little scripting, right? To the seller that you're here to help. You're not here to take advantage. You're here to put an option on the table for them. And if it works out as a win-win, great. And if it's not, no no hard feelings, no feelings lost, right? So right. Ju- just as important that price is, is just as important as your value proposition and everything that goes into the process of making that value proposition to the seller, building rapport, making them feel comfortable, right? So for a lot of you new investors out there who are still fighting for your first deal, making offers, feeling like you keep getting lost out or bid out by other people, one, you know, you may want to work on your numbers. It might be a numbers issue, but two, it may be helpful to start hammering in and narrowing in a hyper-specific value proposition, right? Talking with, you know, investors like myself or Scott or other investors who are doing a lot more than even us, right? And narrowing it down, excuse me, to 
working on your scripting, working on what goes in to the actual appointment other than just price. Right. Again, the sellers that we're working with are not hyper price specific, right? You know, their goal is everybody's goal is to make as much money as they can, but whether or not that's the very top item or if that's the third thing on their list, right? That matters. And if you're there already, price probably isn't the only thing they care about. Yeah. Or else they probably would have listed it. Yeah. And that's a good transition. Let's talk a little bit about what the competitors or people that would probably be competing with you mm-hmm. on a deal are going to look like. Yeah. So, realtors. I hate saying it because I'm a realtor. And for me, I don't view investors as competition. We're different problem solvers. The same way you go to like a nurse or a doctor, they do totally different things. I'm not saying one is greater than the other. They just do different things, right? So a realtor's value proposition is pretty simple. I will look out for you as your fiduciary by marketing you to the maximum number of buyers, representing you as a, you know, somebody looking out for your best interest, again, fiduciary essentially. And you're going to have the power of the MLS and car forms, right? The whole purpose of a realtor is to get you the maximum price and protect you to the best of their ability, right? They work on your behalf. So how can we combat that? If you are an agent versus an investor, how can an investor combat highest price or anything like that? Yeah, as an investor, one, like you mentioned right now, and and again, it is never our place to push the sale or push for the close for anything. We're here to provide options on the table. If I provide my option as an investor and they've already got an option from an agent and they're, and price is the most important thing to them, their property's not really distressed, right? I'm not going to push for the investor sale. I'm going to be open and honest. Hey, it, it sounds like you know, going our route is probably not the best route for you guys. It sounds like it'd be more of a win for you if you were to go the listing route, right? But if we're combating price here in something as an investor compared to an agent, we've mentioned it already. Right now, we're seeing that we can make very, very competitive price offers with the market we're in right now, one. Two, a tactic that we use on our appointments that we've used in the past that help it per put price and perspective to the clients is running a net sheet, right? right? So one, making your all cash as is blah, blah, blah offer, right? But then two, providing a net sheet to the seller. Hey, this is what, you know, you might be able to get on the open market right now looking at these fully fixed up comps, right? Or looking at comps that are similar to yours. After you account for all of these closing costs, after you account for all your commissions, this is your true net if you were to list it. The difference between your offer and that net has now, you know, closed in because a lot of sellers think, oh, if I can sell my house for 350, I can sell it for 350. Great. 350 is not going to be your net. Right. Because going on the market, you are going to have to pay commissions. In this market, you may have to pay closing costs. In a, in a traditional market, you're going to have to pay a little closing costs. Most likely, you're going to have to do a little repairs. Right. right. Or, you know, some of these other concessions to where, the investment offer, you're not going to have to worry about any of that. And the price typically will be pretty competitive. Right. And let's talk about the timing because a lot of the sellers we're talking to, timing is important. We're in a time in our market where things are changing rapidly, 
right? So when you sit down, if you're an investor and he says, you know, the seller says, hey, I could, I could sell my house on the open market and get 325. Hey, look, Mr. Seller, I totally believe that you could put your house on the market and make more money. That's not even a question. I do believe firmly that the MLS is a great way to maximize profit. You know, I was listening to what you and I were talking about. It sounded like this problem or this property has had nothing but headaches. You've had homeless break in. You've had police calls. You've had a lot of different things come up with the house. And, you know, I've kind of taken a look around. I'm not going to say you have to fix these things, but, you know, broken windows and things of that sort kind of don't fly with most buyers. Now, this market's a little different, so maybe it will, maybe it won't. At the end of the day, when you take that 325 and you subtract off the purchase price, or you subtract off the closing costs, the commissions, uh, you know, whatever repairs you might have, and then, you know, you add on three months to get this thing listed, you know, prepped, listed, and then actually through escrow, you know, your net's going to be only around whatever the number is, right? I know that my 240 offer, it's not even close to 320. But when you look at this other stuff, you know, having the ease of sale being done in 10 days, not having to even come back, you know, it's, it's a pretty comparable offer. And at the end of the day, if you want to list it, that doesn't hurt my feelings. My goal is just to provide you with an option that would make sense if that's the goal for you. You know, you tell me, what would even make you consider taking the 240 versus going on the market? Notice that last sentence in there was a what question, right? It was an open-ended question to the seller, to the client, right? Which is comes back to the importance of we've been hammering it, the open-ended questions, but also the what and how questions, Yep. right? Um, one other quick point to make, and this was a conversation we had when we were presenting to the new agents, you know, at, while we're talking about more of the agent value proposition side, is we had an agent in our office, Dave Kidder, awesome guy, awesome agent, share a story during our presentation, which was he was going in to interview for a listing appointment, right? And his competitors were other agents. These sellers were interviewing agents to see which agent would be the best fit to list their home. And there were a lot from the same company. Yeah. That he, he had mentioned a lot were from our brokerage here at KW. So Dave was telling us, yeah, you know, they were interviewing five, six, seven agents. You know, they were only giving us certain time slots. I don't remember if it was 30 minutes or an hour time slots. And he was like, yeah, I, I showed up to that listening appointment 20 minutes late. And when he said that, I was like, there's no way that it, if you can imagine showing up to a job interview 20 minutes late, I would be pretty defeated and think there is no way these people are going to hire me. Right. But Dave went on to say that on that appointment, he focused on the open-ended questions. He was asking the sellers questions that made them feel important, that made them feel understood. And Dave said at the end of the appointment, the set, the clients or the, the sellers had told me they had never felt more understood or appreciated or more knowledgeable about how the process would work. And David said he ended up signing that, that listing right? And getting yep. that house up on the market. So for newer agents out there or agents who are even still out there trying to build their business, and you might be worried about all these competitors, you might be interviewing against a top agent here in town, right? It, again, reputation and your experience and all that stuff matters, but it comes down to how are you going to make the other person feel, the other seller feel understood, appreciated, comfortable, at ease 
with the way you're going to help them sell their home. Yeah. And that that's it. Yeah, it was a really good story. You know, the other part to the story, too, was that he left and they called off the other interviews. Yeah. And so, you know, in our business where for every house that's being sold, there's, you know, probably three realtors, four investors and 45 buyers. You need to not only be able to present your your value, you also have to do it in a way that gets them to stop calling everybody else, right? And what you just said is is pretty much the goal. If you can accurately depict that you understand their situation, you empathize with what they're going through, and you have solutions that are going to help them get through it, and they know, like, trust you, they understand that you're competent, you know, these are the things that are going to get people to call off the rest of the competition. And you need to understand how to even combat when they bring up other competition, because you're probably not going to be the first and you're probably not going to be the last. So when they bring up, well, your offer seems very low, being able to articulate that your job is not to try to lowball them or or take advantage of the situation. It's simply that at the end of the day, it needs to be a win-win. You know, what's important to you about this certain price that they're asking? Now you're getting more information. And then say, you know, at the end of the day, it's not really that big of a deal. The the difference is going to come down to who they trust. Yeah. You know, that five grand isn't going to stop them from selling to you if they really believe that, you know, Cade's looking out for me more than any of these other people. And that's a super, super important point to make. And another quick story that ties directly into what you were just talking about, I- acknowledging the competition, right? So quick story, I had a seller call in to me off of a piece of mail that I had sent out uh, a while back, a handwritten mailer. So... The seller said, hey, you know, I've got these 10, 15 plus, you know, postcards and and stuff, but I wanted to call you first. You've got this handwritten mailer. I'm looking to sell my house and move out of state, right? So same day, she calls me at like 1 p.m. in the afternoon. I go out there maybe an hour, an hour and a half later, and I spend a total of probably about five hours (laughs) at the house building rapport, asking all these questions, right? And she had made it clear from the very start when I showed up. She said, yes, I did call you first. My plan is to call through all of these other postcards that I have and, you know, get myself the best offer. And I said, great, I'm just here. I would love, you know, for you to show me your home and see how I might be able to help you, right? So we go through, we go through, we go through and we're wrapping up the appointment. She's kind of getting all her stuff together. We were sitting at the table and... I throw in this this question. I go, hey, do you mind letting me know? I, I'm just curious. I know of a lot of investors here in town. I've been doing this a while. What are some of the other postcards you have? I, I may know them, right? So she goes, oh, let, let me go grab all these postcards. Let me, let me grab them for you. So she comes back and she sits down and she starts going through these postcards one by one. And some of these postcards had like out of area addresses like Newport Beach. Um, another one was like from Nevada or something. And she was she just starts kind of eliminating all my competitors one by one to where she goes, wow. And, and there were like two or three postcards left because she would look through and she's like, oh, I don't like the look of this one or I don't like the look of that one. And there's a handful of postcards and she goes, well, I guess there's not really that many more people I have to call, right? And I go, no, absolutely. And we, we keep talking, we keep talking. And I go, Dan, I know um, your plan was to look at all of these other 
postcards and stuff like this. And I said, I, I know that it seems like you're really looking for a quick sale. You want something that's go going to give you the flexibility to get all your things together and move out on time, right? Where do I have to be at in order to get this deal done today for you? And if you were to ask that question at the beginning of an, of an appointment before all the rapport building, they probably would have said, you know, get out. <laughs> I'm going to call no the price. rest, right. right? There's no price. I want to call and get these other options, right? But because of asking those open-ended questions, giving a hyper-specific value proposition at the end, we were able to end that uh, appointment with, you know, a signed, a signed contract, right? So you made a great point. It is do not shy down from all of your competitors, right? Competitors are part of the business. You've got to acknowledge the competitors are out there, but how are you going to set yourself apart from those competitors? And what value are you going to provide to your sellers yeah. that your other competitors might not? And this also comes back to becoming friends with your competitors. You know, going to the, the meetups, going to listen to podcasts, all these different things. You're going to get to develop relationships with really high producers, and you're also going to develop relationships with newer guys. And guess what? When you show up to that appointment and there's two of you and you know the other guy, all of a sudden, the stress kind of goes away. Because you know at the worst case scenario, my friend's going to get paid, right? So either I'm going to get paid, he's going to get paid, or we're going to team up and we're going to work together on it and make sure that the seller gets taken care of and the money will come as it goes. And that's where one of the last things I kind of wanted to talk about comes back into play, which is Kate and I have talked about it on the podcast before. We talked about it a lot today. Our, our job is not to push a seller down one hole or another, right? We don't tell people what to do. We offer solutions and we listen, right? If you want to get good at this business, your value proposition can't be pushy. You can't be telling people, you know, you can't, you can't present your value proposition in a pushy way. You're just not going to find success. In sales, it's called commission breath. In investing, it's just desperation, yeah. right? At the end of the day, if you want to be really, really good at closing deals, you need to have the confidence that your value is evident in the way that you presented it and that if the seller is a good fit, they're going to work with you. But if you present your value proposition and then they don't want to work with you, if you just try to hammer them back down that hole, I promise you, your reputation precedes you and that will get around, right? So, you know, keep that in mind the next time you're at an appointment, maybe things aren't looking like it's a good fit. It's okay to let it go and understand that really helping a seller get to the right solution is going to bring you way more business down the line than trying to push somebody down a road they don't want to go. Comes back to the abundance mindset, right? There are an endless amount of deals out there, whether you're an investor or whether you're an agent. People are always going to need to sell their homes, right? Coming across as pushy is not going to get you anywhere. Exactly like you said, if you want to find success in this business, your value proposition cannot be pushy. It cannot be desperate. And it cannot come across as if you have commission breath or, you know, desperation. Right? Um, I think that covers everything we really kind of wanted to talk about. That's had, about it. Yeah. We had given our presentation here in the office, like we mentioned, made us really think, Hey, this would this would make a great podcast episode. So wanted to focus on value proposition today, you guys. And 
Scott and I, we've been working the past couple days. The next few episodes that we have coming out on the Pursuit of Property podcast, we have got some heavy hitters coming on. We've got some great guests that we are super pumped for. Yeah. I know if you guys have been listening the past couple episodes, you're probably tired of just hearing our voices. So, Oh, yeah. <laughs> I believe that. I know I'm tired of hearing my own voice. I want to get some people on here. So <laughs> we've got some great guests coming on. Stay tuned these next couple weeks, and we should have some really great content coming out, you guys. Real quick, uh, I just wanted to make a quick promo. This is not a paid ad, but this is a really good opportunity to bring value. Uh, Cade actually uh, threw this out on his social media recently. Ballpoint Marketing is a great way of delivering your value proposition in a very, very natural way. Ballpoint Marketing's whole purpose is to make it look like handwritten letters, and their response rate is a lot better than traditional printed mailers. Um, We can get these door hangers, I think they're 50 cents a piece on the high end maybe. And Cade's got a code, I think it's Cade10, if you want to buy some. Uh, we've been using them for a while. I just was putting them on a door yesterday and got a phone call. So if you're thinking about, you know, how am I going to market to sellers and talk to more people, this is a really, really cool passive way. You keep a couple in your car, toss them out there. Uh, and it's a quick way to get your value proposition out. I thought we should share since you showed it to the camera. That that's perfect. That's perfect. And like I had mentioned, that deal I had just shared, that came from a... So they've got the door hangers. They've got handwritten actual letters, right, that are bigger than postcards and stuff like that. It Proof is in the pudding. I got that deal because I was the only handwritten mailer out of a bunch of postcards, right? So catches people's eye. Handwritten, people really like that stuff. So yeah, absolutely. If you guys want to place uh, an order for some door hangers, handwritten mailers, K10 for 10% off. Dope. Thanks for joining in, guys. We appreciate you guys joining us on another Thursday morning. If you guys have any questions or any concerns, shoot us a text, comment, message, anything. Uh, We would love to hear your feedback. Thanks, guys. See you next week.